we are concluding this morning our study on our study on spiritual warfare. We've had several studies prior to this, and as we come to it, we are finishing up, which is a study that's all part of our study on angels, and, and then recognizing that there are demons. And we've had a lot of good facts about good angels and bad angels, and bad angels we now call demons. And as we recognize that these demons don't stay to themselves, they aggressively come at you and they fight against us and and the hard reality of it is what's in verse 12 look at verse 12 it says our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers against the powers against the world forces of this darkness against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places spiritual forces there's a war going on and the harsh reality of it is is nobody likes war nobody wants war nobody likes war and and i, I was thinking about this as i, as I was um and once again, trying to get you to put on the armor, get ready to go out to fight, to be people who are battling. I want you to just, you know, recognize it, it does take a little oomph and a little extra for you. And I was thinking to myself, you know, I like old time movies. And so many of the movies that um, were centered around in World War II, do you realize that the United States government came to a conclusion and they understood that people don't like war? And so they came to Hollywood in 1941, 1942, and they said, look, we need your help. We need people to enlist. We need people to be like going off to fight. And so here's, here's the deal. You make movies that show war as like patriotic, got to go, you know, this is what you got to do. And we will not have your Hollywood actors have to go to war. And so a lot of the Hollywood stars got deferments with this trade-off. Because I've always wondered, why are they making these movies in 41, 42, 43 about the war? And that was the reason. Um, war isn't fun. And now that we're older, we say advanced, more society, we see war movies that show the tragedy and the horror of the war. And for me, I saw, I shared before, I saw a movie about 10 years ago, and I still am, not nightmares, I get daymares. I, I, in the middle of the day, I'll start thinking about certain scenes that I saw in that war. I, I would never want to go to war. And, and here's the thing. When you're dealing with the spiritual reality of war, often Christians will have that same attitude, but the reality of it is, is you're in a war. And this is what you need to understand. Even if you don't want to fight, you've got to fight. And, and when we look at the world... The world looks at it, all the death and the hardships and the difficulties they go through, and they don't look at verse 12, and they don't understand it. They don't believe it. But you have to understand that there is a demonic, satanic world war against people, and especially against the church, so that we recognize what's going on, but the world doesn't go, know what's going on. And as much as you may not like this war, the reality of it is, is that to have freedom, you have to fight. You have to fight. And, and, you know, this is obviously the July 4th weekend. fits in perfectly, the celebration. And when we look at it, the, the celebration we're having, we're celebrating freedom. We're celebrating freedom that our country has. And, and that took a war, um, a horrible war. And, you know... July 4th, 1776, Declaration of Independence, you know, officially like, kicked off, signed. But how many people recognize 
that the war of independence started in, in 1775 and will go to when? 1783. It's a long war. But, <laughs> but when you look at that war and all the people that died, and all, you know, from history, we understand not everybody wanted to fight that war. Not everybody wanted their independence. But it was a few people who did fight, and those people were instrumental in giving a country that the world marvels at today. But even in looking at the War of Independence, it had a beginning and it had an end. But today, our war, and this is the thing that I want you to recognize, is that our war never ends. And I, if I want to have like giving a downer, our war never ends on this side of eternity. And, and that's a hard thing to deal with, where you're ever going to say to yourself, like, okay, I'm done fighting. You know, World War I ended, World War II ended, the Civil War ended. This war is never ending. Now, I've got some slides here. I want to continue to show you some things to get some impressions here. Someone get the lights for me. We, we've been showing this slideshow, and this is our final one on this spiritual warfare. A look at the soldiers and what we can learn from their armor. And so we've been looking at soldiers, and as we've talked about how the soldiers got their helmets, they have um, guns, and they've got body gear that is bulletproof. We recognize that it didn't matter how big or how strong or how powerful the soldier, he still wore armor. And this is why, as we've gone through the believer's armor, and we've talked about the belt of truth and the, and the breastplate of righteousness and worked through um, the shield, and we've worked through the... Um, the, the, um, the, what, is there, what else do we have? The, the shotting of our feet, okay, with the gospel and, and, and then the shield of faith. All of us need to be thinking about these practices because we said these things are not literal belts and shields that we're picking up, but spiritual practices that you have to be putting into your life. And if you haven't changed your life or reinforced those in the past six, seven weeks that we've studied this, then I tell you, that it's going to impact you. You are going to be eaten up because you are in a war. So everybody, you have to understand, it's arrogant for us to ever think we are spiritually strong enough to put on God's armor, okay? And then the second point is the weapons are powerful because the fighting is vicious. When you looked at that, the, the, the pictures of the different warriors, no matter what age, if they didn't have guns and they had spears, they were still vicious. Listen, Satan's battle is vicious, satanic battles are vicious but yet god has given us the ability to fight back and our weapons are bigger than theirs you just have to believe it now the third new point that i want to give today is good soldiers are always ready to fight their oh, i spelled that wrong their weapons are always ready to go into battle that should be t-h-e-i-r okay hence we must realize the spiritual battle is relentless it will never end until we die or Jesus returns. Thus, we must always be ready and willing to fight. You have to have this attitude. So, you know, you look at this. Every soldier that we've gone through these pictures, is, when pictures through the ages are given of different soldiers, everybody is ready to fight, ready to go to war, okay? And so the reality of it is, is you must always be thinking in a situation— all of a sudden, I need to pray, or I need to use truth here, or I need to understand how my faith needs to go, or maybe the gospel needs to be applied. All of these soldiers, they're ready to fight. And again, fighting is ugly. Fighting isn't fun. But whether we are talking about American soldiers through the years, and everyone, when a, a soldier 
You know, it's only Beetle Bailey out of the comics that he's sitting, sleeping underneath a tree, okay? But the, the real soldier is somebody that looks menacing, ready to pick up his, his, his gun, ready to put on his helmet at a moment's notice, okay? So we've gone through all of these, and the idea is good soldiers are always ready to fight, and their weapons are always ready to go into battle. And so the reason is, is because the results of satanic warfare are all too real. From the broken lives, broken lives that we all experience, to the death. And, you know, um, Satan wants to kill. And he will do whatever he can to get away with that. So, so we're not talking about minor things here. We're talking about one of the most serious strategic planning sessions that you could ever go through. So let's get back into it. So get the lights, please. And understand, we must all be ready, okay? We must all be ready. And um, so what we've studied so far, if you look on your sermon notes, we've looked at using truth in your life. We've looked at practicing righteousness. We've talked talk about using the gospel, all right? And then practicing your faith. Today we come to number five. And my hope and my desire, I think we'll be able to get it done, is we're going to work through the last three, Okay? And the last three begin in verse 17. And it says, and Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And basically what we're doing first and foremost, fill in the blank with you're getting assurance of your salvation. Getting assurance. The fifth piece of armor is the helmet of salvation. Often a head wound is fatal. It, it is a kill shot. And use that expression. I didn't know that expression until all the video games come out. And these kids, they play these video games. And, and it's crazy, then they'll say, how many kill shots do you get? Well, even the video games, the kids today, they focus on what? You, you hit him in the head, and he's dead. Well, interestingly enough, this concept has always been around. That's why even when we showed those old pictures of people from the 1500 BC, people wore helmets. And the idea is you protect your head, because if your head gets hit, you either die or you get dizzy so much so that you are knocked out. Now, what is, what is the spiritual helmet you're supposed to put on? Well, it's the concept of the doctrine of assurance, the knowledge that you are saved. And God wants you to know that you can't have assurance of salvation, okay? So you guys can take the slideshow down, okay? Um, and so the idea here is, is that we, is that we, can have assurance of salvation. It's a doctrine that many people, many, many people, um, yeah, I don't think anyone's up there, Jason. I don't know why. <laughs> um, the idea here is, is, that, is that we can have um, assurance of salvation. And most, it's really, really sad that many, many religions today don't have this. I mean, when I say many, many groups of Christians do not believe in assurance of salvation. And then it's a doctrine, remember, that I truly believe is taught, like in 1 John chapter 5, verse 15, that says these things have been written in order that you may know you have eternal life. And, and, and that God wants you to know. So I would encourage you, if it's a doctrine that you struggle with, if it's something that you ever wonder, do I have assurance of a salvation? Take yourself through the book of 1 John. It, it goes through the specifics of how much truth you know and what truth you know. The three categories are truth, obedience, and love, okay? 
born-again people have truth, born-again people have love in their life, born-again people have, have um, obedience. John MacArthur said this, it's called the helmet of salvation because the head is where your thinking is. It's where you think about your salvation. The fifth piece of God's armor is represented by the Roman soldier's helmet, without which he would never enter battle. Some of the helmets were made of thick leather covered with metal plates, and others were of heavy molded or beaten metal. They usually had um, cheek pieces to protect the face. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul says, talks about the fact that we have the hope of our salvation, and we're to put on the helmet, which is the hope of our salvation. And I, I, I want you to understand that when you have this doctrine, it is not to be taken lightly. This past winter, Josh, my son Joshua has to read certain books, and I challenged him to read a, a harder book than usual. We read The Red Badge of Courage. It's a war book about the Civil War. And it was a fascinating book of how this boy thought that he was going to go off to war and he's going to be this great hero and how he learns to have courage through the story of, of his fighting in the Civil War. Well, what was so interesting was when people got head wounds, sometimes the head wounds would cause them to not die, would, they wouldn't die immediately, but they would um, wander through the field. And one of the most heart-wrenching parts in this book is when he, the main character, Henry, is dealing with a guy that is all woozy. And he is someone that um, has gotten this horrible head wound and eventually he dies. But when he had the head wound, obviously before he died, he couldn't be on the front lines. He was out wondering. He was trying to figure out where he was. And you know, obviously, just a horrible situation. You can imagine taking a bullet to your head and in the day and age of the Civil War, not necessarily even having the medical help that they could. Well, to me, this is where I see so many Christians that they get these head wounds. Because what happens if you don't think that you're, a, you're saved? All of a sudden, you lose peace of mind. You lose your joy. You lose your persistence. You lose a, a, a passion for holiness. Let me just explain. Let me think this through. Because all of a sudden, if you're constantly wondering, am I a believer? Am I not a believer? God doesn't like me. God does. How much are you going to really effectively start working for God? Because remember, we're to stand firm. We're to fight. Satan's fighting. But like in this, move, in this book, Henry's friend, he's not fighting because he's got the head wound. And, and, and how many of you, as you go through struggles and you don't know whether you're saved or not, and all of a sudden you're just like, well, I don't know if I'm going to help at VBS, or I don't know if I'm going to be at Sunday school. I don't know if I'm going to show up for church. Why? Because you're doubting whether you're really a believer or not. And that's exactly what Satan wants you to do. It's because then you're not working for God. You're not effective for him. And you have no peace in life. And there's no joy. And who in the world is going to want your religion when you're a miserable wreck because you've got no joy in your life? Remember, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. And, and I tell you right now, you know, if you are struggling with that, pray to God. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Let, I don't fear being charismatic from that standpoint. I, I mean, God, I don't have the joy. I, and I need to have the assurance and I need to have the joy that comes with it. And, and pray for that. And, and, and the idea of persistence where you keep on fighting. And the idea of like, 
I'm going to still keep going and going and going because I'm a, I'm a soldier for God. And, you know, and you can see where today, if, if somebody kept beating on America, and we see this a little bit today in the sense where people beat on America, beat on America, beat on America, you know, is America a good country, not a good country, you know, it's a bad country, they'll say. And the, so then you say to yourself, why should I ever fight for this country? Well, think of it on a grander scale. If you don't think that, you know, you're, you're with God and you're on his team, then why are you going to stay persistent and fight? And then Satan's got to be laughing. Ha ha, here's this soldier that's got these incredible weapons that can do incredible damage, but he or she is sitting on the sideline because they don't think they're saved. Assurance of salvation is a critical doctrine. And then holiness comes into play because of the reality of, of the fact that if I don't think I'm a believer and all of a sudden one of my, I'm facing temptation, well, it's no big deal that I do this sin or do that sin because I, I'm not a believer. But if I'm a believer and I'm solid in that, then I've got to resolve that I, I, I'm standing firm. I'm going to battle Satan. I'm not going to give in to the temptation because I know where I stand. So I beg you, look at this doctrine. And, and for time's sake, you know, the reality of it is, is there are so many stories of soldiers that have been saved when a bullet went into their helmet. Um, recently, even um, in, in, well, I have story after story of just guys, they were saved by their helmets and the reality of it is is we are saved by this helmet this is a doctrine if you don't understand how to obtain it i would just tell you simply put you can meet with me and i'll help you go through it but i would just tell you pour over the book of first john a book designed to help you gain that and and know it intimately otherwise your life is going to be severely damaged you will have been hit with a kill shot and christians can foolishly foolishly think that salvation isn't assured and it was interesting carl and i talked many years ago he came out of a religious movement if i could share this with people who don't believe in assurance and you know one of the things that carl just shot me one of the number one things that the, a believing group is that they they dealt with a lot of depression and i don't forget suicide too suicides too but people were depressed because if you don't really know that you're born again you don't really have that assurance it is going to lead to depression. Listen, get down on this doctrine. So that's assurance. That's the fifth piece. Number six, use your Bible, okay? So then he says, and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The sword of the Spirit, okay? So fill in your blank, using your Bible. The next piece of weaponry is likened to a sword. It is the Bible. For God's Word is true. A key verse in the Bible, Psalm 119, Psalm 119, 105. Thy word, speaking of God's word, is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. Okay, it lights our path. But in this analogy, it is a weapon. A sword can be, a sword can be an aggressive weapon to attack as well as to protect. And I believe it's both. John MacArthur notes the sword to which Paul refers to here is the sword which varied in length from 6 to 18 inches. Um, it was a common sword carried by the Roman foot soldiers and was the principal weapon in hand-to-hand -hand combat, carried in a sheath um, that was attached to the belts. Um, it was the sword carried by the soldiers who came to arrest Jesus. And it's of the spirit, meaning it's spiritual, which ties it to the word of God. It isn't like mystical. This is what we know that the word of God is God-breathed and it's spirit-directed, okay? 
And so <clears throat> this is where you want to get the idea that you have to know your Bible. You have to know your Bibles in, in spiritual battle. Now, sword fighting seems really romantic when you watch the old time Errol Flynn movies and stuff like that. And when I was, when I had a son that was a five and six years old, we would get, you know, those cardboard, uh, paper, um, whatever they were, and we would have sword fights, okay, for the inner roll from wrapping paper, and you would have those sword fights. Well, I was always bigger than Josh, and I could handle those, okay, but as we got bigger, as Josh got bigger, he went out and he got those Nerf swords, okay, and, 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 and those things hurt, okay, and we get in those sword fights, and first of all, you realize that in sword fights, you know, they do it on the movies where they go up and down the halls and up and down staircases, and they go on for five, ten minutes without you getting hit. Well, most sword fights, you realize it's close up, it's ugly, and boom, you get hit usually within five, ten seconds, okay? And if those Nerf swords that we would fight with were, were real, I often thought to myself, slash, 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 damage here. I'm dropping that sword, and I'm dead soon. I don't want to fight with Joshua anymore with our swords because Josh can hurt me now, <laughs> okay? And, and it's just not as fun. I couldn't imagine in real life facing somebody sword battles where they had something that could slash me and you make the wrong move and it's done. Now, you might want to play swords with your kids or play swords. Some of you, you know, just to practice, think this through. You know, it's fun when a couple weeks ago on Father's Day, we showed that video where the father you know, was taking the barbecue and he was having the sword fight. Those things are cute. Those things are nice. But real sword fights are ugly and they're, kill they're de deadly. And that day mare that I told you dealt with somewhat of a sword fight, a knife fight, what more, more it was. And I still get horrible, horrible, horrible thoughts through my head because I saw that. And I think to myself, listen, God has wanted you guys to know that you are in sword fights. And you don't like it. Nobody wants it. Like I said, Hollywood recognized. Most people don't want war. But this is where you've got to read your Bible, memorize your Bible, know your Bibles, because you are constantly being bombarded with things where things are coming at you. And you've got to know the scripture. You've got to know how to battle them. I just love Matthew chapter 4. We recently took the Sunday school class, the adult Sunday school through. Turn there real quick. I think we have, we have time. I just think here is a great way to handle temptation. This is the example of using God's word as a sword, as a battle. Satan, our arch enemy, comes to Jesus. And this is part and parcel. Of our, 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 this is to prove that Jesus is worthy to be the Messiah. Jesus handles this. But he also indirectly gives us the ability to handle temptation through the word of God. So Jesus is, is just about to kick off his ministry, Matthew chapter 4. And we pick up in verse 1, it says, And Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, then he became hungry. So Jesus is hungry. And, and the, the Spirit of God has spoken to him and said, Don't eat. And this is all part of a test. And so verse 3, And the tempter came, and that's exactly what Satan is. He's a tempter. He comes to him and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. You want something? You want something sexual. You want something financial. You want 
You want what you want now, okay? And obviously, you haven't eaten in 40 days. You deserve it. You should get it. If anybody should get it, you should. You're the son of God. You're the Messiah. We know that you're great. You deserve it, right? And you can put every situation where you're tempted. And this is why you've got to know the word of God. Jesus comes back and says, it is written from the book of Deuteronomy, man shall not live on bread alone, but on the word, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And, and here's the principle, okay? What you've got to do is understand that God's word has to be your authority no, no, over how you feel, what you want. And even if it costs you your life, and that is the soldier's mandate. And this is where we have to do. And so you need to know God's word, whether it says do not lie, do not steal, do not whatever. You need to understand. So today we have the written word of God, and this principle needs to be understood. So number one principle in, in the word is to know it, okay? And, and to be able to look at it as your authority. It drives everything. Number two, Jesus comes back. After, well, the, Satan comes back, and you can see he's persistent. He didn't just say, that's it, I'm done. Verse 5, then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you. Guess what? Satan knows the Bible. This is Psalm 91. This is Psalm 91 about God giving us guardian angels. And, and then he says, and on their hands they will bear you up so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. But Jesus comes back with, on the other hand, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And the principle is we must always know God's word in context because there are passages all the time that people who are unbelievers will throw at you to try to justify their actions, okay? And, 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 and we must be people who are committed to it. In the middle of the battle, in the middle of... of, of uh, whatever of any temptation someone could throw out scripture and they will be wrong and you have to know it and then lastly again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory and he said to them all these things i will give to you if you fall down and worship me then jesus said to them go satan for it is written you shall worship the lord your god and serve him only the third principle is we must we must know its principles and be committed to it. And here is the idea of that we're, the principle is that we're going to honor God no matter what. Because Satan is saying, look, you can have everything, but you don't have to go to the cross. But Jesus is saying, no, I, the principle here is that I've got to honor God no matter what. So you shall worship the Lord your God and, and, and serve him only. And in this situation, the principle was that you wanted me to serve you. And I can't apply that because I need to only serve God the Father. Listen, like I said, sword attacks are ugly. Sword attacks are ugly, and they're not with a physical sword. They're with a boss who gets in your face, or a neighbor who gets in your face, or somebody that tries to refute you and tell you that your Christianity is foolish. Um, this morning, I got some text. I got a link. Ken Ham is putting out the, um, the ARC. This, I think it's this very week it's coming out, and there's going to be this major protest and people are so against the ark and so against the concept of creation and so against the fact that there was a flood. And they're just throwing out all kinds of warped views on scripture. And I just, 
Thank God for Ken Ham and his response, his loving, gracious response. Pray for those people. Pray for them this week because there's going to be hordes of unbelievers down in Kentucky. And I'm hoping that the Christians will love them. But my point in all of this is that they were using scripture out of context. The people who are against Ken Ham. And I just tell you, all of you, you all know what temptations you face, how Satan comes at you. It's so critical that you know the word of God. Please, hand-to-hand combat is ugly. Sword fighting is really ugly. But I'm telling you, if you don't know the word of God, you lose. Lastly, let's turn to Matthew, I mean, back to Ephesians. And I want to just get the last one in. And the last one is praying. God wants you to be praying. And in verses 18 to 20, Paul says with prayer and petition. That, that is prayer. And, and so the last piece of, of armor is something that really isn't linked to, um, to a piece of equipment. It's more like the attitude. And the attitude is one of communication. We talk about prayer being communication with God. And, and it is the final piece that's not linked to any piece of armor, but is the communication of the soldier. And in Paul's day, they didn't have cell phones. They didn't have radios. But, you know, I still watch, you know, movies from back then and documentaries from back then. You would have couriers, you know, people who ran to and fro back to the headquarters, back to other branches of the military. Say, hey, we need, we, we need help. And, and this is what I want you to understand. When I would watch old-time movies, especially the ones that were based out of World War II, it was always classic. Always classic. There, there was a scene where the radio did or did not work, right? And, and you know, if, if the radio, if it was a pressure situation, and the, you know, the, the Germans were all coming down on the Americans, and all of a sudden you went to the radio, and you could just say, is the radio going to work? Is it not going to work? And then if it worked, you could get the air supply the the air troops that come in or you get extra troops or you know you would get the help that you needed but you know the tragedy would always happen when the radio wouldn't work and then those guys would be pinned down and all of a sudden you know they'd all lose their lives because they couldn't get the extra help that they need i don't think it's an accident for us to have this as the last piece because god is saying you are never alone your radio will never break down. Think about that. Think about all the times. I'm trying to think of the psalm right now where he talks about, the, I think it was, it was a Psalm 139, he talks about, it doesn't matter where I go in this world, you hear me, God. God's aware of all that's going on. No matter where you're at, you could be in the depth of a whale, a big fish, you could be depth of the earth, God can hear you, all right? We must understand, we can be on the highest mountain, God will hear us. If you're facing any temptation, any low point, any struggle, pray and i don't want this to be legalistic but i'm asking you check your prayer life and if you're not praying on a regular basis commit say to yourself look i need to pray 10 minutes 15 minutes 20 minutes every day start working at it i want you to say to yourself i'm putting in this time and and you know i remember when i was in seminary they had a class and they asked us to pray for one hour and i and i thought oh my goodness all the pressure and all the things that i i i do during my education how in my world am i going to fit this in but guess what when you made it a priority you did and from that point i don't i can tell you i don't always pray for one hour every day but i have added prayer into every day and it makes a difference and i'm going to ask you right now to make a decision to this god and family weekend is a big weekend 
and I think we can see a lot of people saved from it. Will you commit to praying every day until July 24th that we will see people saved? Prayer makes a difference. This is a battle, okay? That's just extra, but I'm asking you. This is something, when you look at the Apostle Paul saying, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times. Pray, 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 pray. Communicate to God. You're never alone. The radio's never broken. The submarine could be sinking as some of these World War II movies. A submarine's going down. They can't get any help. Guess what? We can get help. We can get help because God hears us. God always hears you. He knows when you're facing temptation. He knows when the enemy has sent too many people and you can't do this on yourself, by yourself. God gives you the ability to talk to him every time, all the time. So please take advantage of that communication device. I think it's fascinating how God worked this out. So look at, all right, here we go. No matter how strong you think you are, you need God's armor. The battle is ongoing. The enemy is relentless. But as I said, good soldiers are always ready to fight. And in this war, there are no deferments. You know, I mentioned about World War II and the, how the Hollywood actors, Hollywood actors were given deferments. Do you know what's so fascinating is the people that stepped up. Today, we look at them as some great heroes. Do you know that Jimmy Stewart, Henry Fonda, Clark Gable, Paul Newman, Kirk Douglas were just some of the, some of the Hollywood actors that were looking around like in 42 and 43 and saying, I can't do this. I can't take a deferment. I can't, I can't while everyone else is fighting. And um, those are some of the men that went over and they flew missions and they sacrificed and put their life on the line because they recognized the battle is on. Some of you are saying, hey, I'm a Christian and I can just continue to do nothing. I, I won't have to get involved. Not get involved. I'm, I'm telling you, don't look at, at, you don't really have a deferment, but I'm asking you more than anything, put on the armor and go to battle. So put on truth, practice righteousness, get out there with the gospel, take up that shield of faith, put on the helmet of assurance, take the Bible out and use it aggressively to fight and then communicate to God. Stand firm and remember, remember the battle is never over on this earth while we're here. And when you're watching fireworks tonight and you can't go to bed or maybe you're waking up in the middle of the night and you see those fireworks and they're celebrating freedom, for now on, have those fireworks remind you that we have freedom. We have freedom because of what Christ did to us. And he's given us the ability to know that when we fight in our battle today, we'll have victory too. Let's pray. Father, I just ask that everyone here through this study that we've had over the past several weeks, that there's a commitment to the spiritual practices. These are spiritual practices that we're to have. And God, if there's anybody that's weak in their faith and they're struggling and they feel that they're down, help them, God, to learn how to use the tools, the weaponry that's been given to them because this is no game. This isn't just a sword fight with a child. This is deadly and lives are being ruined and marriages are about to crumble and people are going to get, get into sin and it's going to bring great devastation to them, God. And how we just pray for the restoration of homes and families and lives for people that put on this spiritual armor. And God, if there's somebody here today who says, you know, I've, I've never been fighting because I'm not really right with God. I'm not, I'm not honest that, I, yeah, I come to church, but I'm really not born again. I pray that today that finally they just quit the facade and say, I need 
you, God. I need your armor. First and foremost, I need you. I need to become a believer in Jesus Christ. Please, Father, if there's anyone that's here today that has just been going through the motions, maybe today that honesty will break through and they'll come to the place of calling out for your help. And then I pray, God, that they'll be strengthened for the battle that we're all facing. For it is true, as I talked about it yesterday, we're in a battle and the world doesn't realize they're in a battle. We, we know it. And so even today, the enemy can come at us. May we all be strong. In Christ's name.